to this week's episode. We really appreciate you joining us. This podcast really shows us how we can all learn, live, and thrive off of each other. By sharing our knowledge through our conversations, we will impart some knowledge whilst learning ourselves how to progress even further. Here is your host. Thanks for tuning in to Mind Hostage, a podcast where we talk about a variety of subjects, all designed to help you get through life. We talk about people who have overcome major adversity in their life and how they found their purpose. We talk about self-improvement, PTSD, and what I'm going to tell you about now in our next series called Journey to the Other Side that correlates with the book that I'm working on where I review near-death experiences and the afterlife. So I've got to tell you about what near-death experience really is and what this new series is going to be. And guys, it's going to blow your mind, okay? Uh, it's not about a belief system. It's not about a religion. It's only the facts of people who have actually been to the other side. So open your mind and get prepared to learn something that really will change your life fundamentally um, if you'll take it seriously. All right. So first of all, I want to tell you what got me into the study of near death. So I grew up um, in and out of the church as a young child in the Southern Baptist Church. And so it's pretty hardcore. <laughs> Growing up in those days, there wasn't an air conditioner in the building. We sat in the hard wooden pews, and it looked like the preacher was just pissed off all the time, right? So, uh, you know, I grew up in fear and with my grandmother uh, primarily uh, that loved me dearly but was so afraid um, of my salvation that we spent a lot of times on our knees at the bedside praying. Uh, she spent quite a bit of time washing my mouth out with soap, and I still don't know that it was that bad. And if she saw me today, boy, she would have a stroke for sure. But <laughs> the, she, the, the environment that I grew up in was very, very um, based on religious dogma, uh, the fear-based. So growing up uh, throughout the years and going through my own adversity, I started looking for something. I started... Uh, trying to grasp at the life preserver, right? When we go through adversity, a lot of times we try to grab onto something and typically that's our salvation or help and we realize that we need to turn to God or a higher power to get us through that. And there are many different religions that focus on that. All of them that think uh, a little bit different, maybe have a little bit of a different approach, right? So, um, that was one of the first things that caused some questions in my mind because even within the Christian denominations, uh, uh, vary, right? Within the Christian faith, you have, you know, different Protestants and Catholics. And I've been to churches that were Pentecostal. I've been to Catholic churches. I've been the Methodist, uh, many different churches where, uh, they all kind of had a different approach. And, and it kind of started to create some questions in my mind because I've been to many, many Bible studies where we sat down in each one of these churches and each one of these Bible studies, we're reading from the same book, but there's so many different interpretations. As a matter of fact, you know, I had been in some of these Bible studies where um, they're pretty heated discussions about individual interpretations of a particular scripture or passage in the Bible. 
And so I'm like, wow, there's so many different interpretations. And it seemed like each denomination thought their way was the only way to heaven. And so it caused some confusion. And then I saw a lot of other things uh, that uh, created questions in my mind. And going back to the Bible, going to going to church where we discussed some of these different passages about things that you can and can't do. You know, there's a lot of discussion and, and disagreement on you know, what's relevant, the New Testament or the Old Testament, you know, uh, what, what, what is a sin? What, what's okay sin? You know, people in, in the church that, by the way, hold themselves up to a higher standard, um, in the church according to how they judge others, uh, which was another thing that caused question in my mind. But I saw uh, these things that caused questions in my mind. And I, I wanted to find a place where I could go and find, uh, some unbiased answers, right? So there's some other things that I won't discuss yet that really caused me to give question. Um, but let's just say I went through a tremendous amount of adversity and overcome suicide, uh, suicidal ideations. Let me say I didn't overcome suicide itself, but, uh, major depression, alcohol and substance abuse use. Um, I, I had these major attachments to when I was molested as a child. Um, I have these major attachments to the past that caused me to ask questions about why. Why would we have to go through those kind of things? I looked around in the world and I saw these atrocious uh, things that went on, uh, how many millions of people who have been slaughtered because of cultural and religious beliefs, and it just didn't add up for me. So uh, I started trying to search for where I could find answers. And for the longest time, it evaded me. Um, you know, if I asked someone about it, they would quote a scripture in the Bible, but it didn't add up. It wasn't enough. And then based on my Christian teachings, you have to accept Jesus Christ as your savior to go to heaven, which I have fully accepted. But I began to wonder about those folks who lived before Jesus. And I started to wonder about those people on the other side of the world that believe with the same passion that I believe in my Christian values they believe just as strongly in their religion based on what they were taught from children. I believe what I believe because of the culture I was raised in and because of what I was taught. And the same can be said for different people all around the world. Many, by the way, who have not heard of Jesus Christ. And I started to wonder what happens to these people then. Because if they didn't know, or let's say in traditional Christian values, I got something wrong. I was going to burn in hell for eternity. And the God that I know and love is a kind God. It's a God of love, 
right? When Jesus was singing out with the disciples and, and I envisioned them sitting around a campfire because they didn't have TV, right? Or cell phones. And the disciples were asking him, Hey, listen, people are talking mad trash about you hanging out with the people at the bar and you're hanging with the tax collectors and you're not preparing your food right. And you're not doing this and that and the other. They're like, man, there's a lot of rules. These guys, these old, your priests and that, and they have just a ton of these rules that, that they seem to, to be coming down on you about what is like the biggest rule, right? What's the greatest commandment? And so he says, it's that we learn to love. I mean, I'm rednecking it up a little bit, but ultimately it's that we learn to love. And so I thought, well, I mean, okay, that makes sense to me. So you know, an idea came to my mind because I had seen a movie and read a book called Heavens for Real, right? It's about a young child that had died and gone into spirit, gone to heaven, and then came back, right? And it, it, it did pretty good in the, in the press, uh, in, in the media, and the movie did pretty good, but it didn't get a whole lot of traction, right? Because, uh, a lot of people in, grained in religious dogma have a hard time believing things that may come from the afterlife experience that they feel like doesn't jive up with what's in the Bible. So I started doing a history of religion, a history of Christianity, a history of my Baptist belief and many other different beliefs and churches that I had been to and realized these guys are a couple hundred years old. Um, I started studying the Gnostics that, that, were a belief system uh, before biblical times. Uh, and then it dawned on me. I thought, you know, this Christian version of Heavens for Real was based on what this boy kind of believed, right? He was still pretty young. Maybe he didn't have that religious dogma deeply ingrained in him. But maybe it was still interpreted by the Christians around him, right? In, and interpret it in that way. But what if I were to take a look at near death? If somebody were a Muslim, a Buddhist, an atheist, an agnostic, a Christian, and whether or not they were today, or if it was Native American some years back, or by the way, I found that Plato wrote in 630 before Christ of a Roman soldier who had died on the battlefield and had a near-death experience, and he wrote a book about it. And by the way, it jives up with all the current data. And I thought, if I compare near-death in every one of these circumstances, whether you're man, woman, child, no matter what your cultural beliefs were, your religious beliefs were, what was in common in the near-death experience. So I started to study. And let me tell you something. It blew my mind. Near-death was a term coined by Dr. Raymond Moody back in the 70s. He is one of the pioneers in researching near-death experience, and he came up with the term near-death, which is sometimes misleading for people because you think maybe near death was just, man, I had a really close call, <laughs> right? Woo, my life flashed before my eyes. It was a close call. I almost died. That's not it at all. 
Near death can encompass many things, including out of body travel for people who have not died. But I study near death in those people who were clinically brain dead during a brief death episode, right? They had no heartbeat, they had no breathing, and they had no brain activity. And the reason why I chose to look at this, because there used to be some controversy amongst scientists and medical personnel saying, well, when these people have uh, this experience in their death, it could be random neurological firings, or it could be maybe an experience they had because of the anesthesia or a number of things. And I thought, okay, we'll rule those out, right? Not not that I don't look at those or take those into serious consideration, but for the purposes of sharing this with other people, I'm going to just look at those where there was no brain activity. How can you have a hallucination? How can you have any kind of a euphoric kind of a sensation? How can you have anything like this when your brain was dead? Whether you were uh, brain dead as Dr. Eben Alexander was, where he was actually in a, uh, he had a, major kind of a encephalitis it was a, a, a an erosion of his tire uh meninges he was it was some kind of a major meningitis and he was getting ready to be removed from life support had been in a coma there was absolutely no way that he had any brain activity yet he had one of the most profound experiences that you can imagine so looking at these cases where people were clinically brain dead and they went and had an event, not just limited to people who were in the room and could say, hey, I heard the doctors and saw everything that was going on. And I went into another room and I heard a conversation going on with a family and the doctor. And while there's tons of those, I wanted to know of those people who actually went into the spirit and went even beyond. I was in a tunnel of light, right? I wanted to know. What happened were those people who actually went and had an experience in the afterlife. And what I found blew my mind, and it's changed my life. And so this series is going to share with you the different experiences of people who have been into the afterlife. By the way, millions of people that have been validated through prophecy, uh, through coming back with information, through people's lives who have been changed. And I just want to tell you this little secret that it doesn't matter what their religious or cultural belief of those people who had different classes of experience, whether they went to the life review, whether they went and asked what life's purpose was about, whether they went and had, by the way, the dark or negative or hellish near-death experiences, of those people that shared those experiences in common, they were all the same. Not that they had the same personal experience, but the information they brought back about that type of an experience were the same. And I'm going to share that with you throughout this new series, and then we're going to take you on a spiritual journey of self-improvement. So guys, saddle up, tune in. I thank you guys for tuning in. I love all of you, and I can't wait to share with you the information that I found in this amazing field of study. So thank you, and we'll talk to you soon.
what you've heard on this week's episode? Well, well, the answer is simple. It would mean the world to us if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and achieve even greater things. Thank you. Thank you. you've heard on this week's episode? Well, well, the answer is simple. It would mean the world to us if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and achieve even greater things. Thank you. Thank you.